When I was a, a young man, probably not much older than Zane, uh, he is only 14 and a half. Please don't let him grow up any faster. Uh, my dad said it was 15 and a half years ago, and I about had a coronary when I realized that at that point he'd be driving. But I am, uh, me, me and the Lord, we're, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I, I do want to do his will, but me and the Lord, I, I do try to negotiate with him every once in a while. He has not listened to me thus far about the weather, uh, so uh, I don't know that he's going to listen to me about the other thing, but I have asked the Lord to come quickly before uh, Zoe starts dating. That would be nice if the rapture could happen. Or come quickly before Zane starts driving, because either one of them scare me half to death. But when I was a young adult, not much older than Zane, uh, I, I found a book that I began to read, and, and the book was called The Scarlet Thread Through the Bible. Dr. Criswell, or Criswell, he was the pastor at the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and that book was, was created, it was formed out of a sermon he preached. And uh, It's amazing how those sermons, they even if it's book form or you hear it, it's amazing how those sermons stick with you. And... Uh, Brother, brother Sponsler, he, he, every, every sermon that I preach, he comes and tells me it's the best sermon he ever heard. And I would never, ever, ever, ever assume or try to offend and say he's lying, but he don't always speak the truth. Because I know there's some sermons that weren't very good, but he's so kind. But this morning he came up to me after, the, after uh, this sermon, and he, and, and he came and, and, and uh, he, he said, you know, he said, Years ago, and we're talking back when he was a, ch- a, a child or a young man, his, uh, there was a, the church that they attended was pastored by two ladies. They were evangelists that went through Illinois and maybe other places, and they would, they would stop in a small town, and they would build this church, and they would pastor that for a while, and they would move on. But he said, after the sermon I preached this morning, he said, years and years ago, those two lady pastors preached that exact same sermon, uh, and he said it was good then, and it was good this morning. See, the Bible doesn't change. And, and you're not going to find anything really new in the Bible. In fact, I get a little nervous when people start telling me I found something new because a lot of times when they mean new, they mean extra biblical, meaning they didn't find it in the Word of God. They found it somewhere else, and that's a dangerous place to be. But in 1961, December 31st, 1961, this Dr. Criswell, the pastor of the First Baptist Church, preached a sermon called... The scarlet thread through the Bible. In fact, I understand there's even a recording of it. I've not heard it. He preached for four hours. Aren't you glad I'm your pastor? I'm going to do my best to pull some of that, not four hours worth. But I, I'm, I, I'm amazed at how the Bible fits together. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 18, you have this story where Rahab was saved by the, in the, through the destruction of Jericho, was saved because she hung a scarlet thread or a scarlet cord or a scarlet rope, something that was red, out of her window. And when the walls of Jericho fell at the shout of the Israelites, her place of, of, of safety did not, was not shaken and she was saved because of that. And this proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though there was a, a, a law at work, if think Moses' law, the law that, that we think of when you think of Jews and you think of Israelites, you think of the law and, and the Ten Commandments and what they couldn't do and what they couldn't eat. And we understand that. But even in the Old Testament, there is this understanding that salvation comes through faith 
in the word of God. The people, the, the, those, those two spies of Israel came and they gave a word to Rahab from the Lord. She believed that word. If I hang this scarlet thread as crazy as it sounds in the window of my house, somehow, I don't know how, it's going to save me. And so we find that faith and mercy is evident through the word of God. There is, and, and, and if I could take it, I know sometimes I'll start sermons with this same story, but it's because it just gets me, and, and I like to start at the beginning. So those of you who's heard it a thousand times, well, hear it again. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the Lord created man, Adam, and then caused him to sleep and pulled a rib out of his side and created Eve, and they were dis- destined. It was supposed to be perfection or Eden the garden of Eden was supposed to be a place where God and humanity dwelt with peace they dwelt in in this this relationship it indicates that Adam and Eve talked to God and spoke to God and God walked with them and then that enemy the devil began to rear its ugly head and coming like a snake slithered up and began to speak to Eve and Eve took of the apple or whatever it is and she ate of that and then Adam took of that and he ate at the very beginning of the Bible you see a shadow it's a shadow that stretches from the first book of or the first chapter of Genesis and it stretches all the way to 2018 April the 15th at 7:11 tonight the shadow of the cross the cross is not something that just kind of fell into place in the new testament but instead the cross's shadow reaches far back to the beginning of time It was, the Bible said, that after they had sinned and because uh, they had eaten of that that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened and they they looked and they were ashamed and guilt and condemnation uh, uh, flooded into humanity. And and they they had sinned and they knew it. The Bible says that God reached down and he, he ripped the skin off of animals and he clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins. The, the, the fig leaves that they had sewn together had wilted and withered and it was not enough for, the, for what we try to do to cover our sin will never work. But there, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, we understand that the shadow of the cross leads us to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7 that says that your sins, they can be covered and they can be forgotten by the Lord but not without the shedding of blood. God looked at fallen humanity and he saw the cross they hadn't even left Eden yet but God was already looking and seeing the cross the first two sons born Cain and Abel Cain brought an offering of the ground some I'm just making my own thing you know kind of use my own imagination he brought some tomatoes and some corn and some wheat And he offered it unto the Lord. And Abel, who was a shepherd, he brought a sheep and slaughtered that sheep and offered it as a sacrifice. And the Bible says that God received the sacrifice of Abel and and was not pleased with the sacrifice of Cain. And again, I believe it's because God saw the shadow of the cross. And he said, these sacrifices, they must have the blood. 
Noah built an altar unto the Lord after that flood. The very first thing that Noah did after he walked out of that ark and after all of humanity except Noah and his family and all of the animals except those in the ark, after he walks onto dry land and it probably didn't smell good, it was probably still maybe even a little muddy and he walks out there and the first thing that Noah did is he built an altar and he took an animal that he had kept alive that entire trip and he slaughtered that animal and God saw the cross. That scarlet thread, that scarlet line that flows from Genesis to Revelation that points, and I preached it there in in, uh, 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 Easter Sunday when John the Baptist looked at at Jesus walking and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. And and I I hope you were here Easter and you you saw how we put that back into the Old Testament uh, uh, work of the priest. But really it may have started there in Egypt after those plagues had come and right before that tenth plague was given and that night in which the firstborn of all were going to die as the death angel passed the Lord said to Moses tell the people that you've got to kill a spotless lamb and you've got to apply the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel of your home and those that are under the blood will be saved and those that didn't apply the blood will be lost death will come and God saw cross. There were countless lambs that night that were killed. There were countless lambs that were shed innocent blood. They didn't deserve to die, but it was what would save humanity from their sins. And that Passover, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, the word of the Lord comes and says, the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are, that when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God saw a cross. When they were released from Egypt and they went through the prom or, or went into the prom or, or into the wilderness on the way to the promised land, they stopped at Mount Sinai and there God gave them the Ten Commandments and God gave them the law. And in the midst of all of that, you find that, that, that after Moses read the law to the people, saying this is what God requires, and, and it's everything from what they were to eat and what they shouldn't eat, and what they should wear and what they shouldn't wear, and how they should uh, handle diseases in the camp, and how, how they should uh, uh, build the tabernacle, and all of the ways of worship, and the feasts, and the sacrifices... And at the end of all of that, Moses, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 24 verse 8 that Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on all the people and he said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord had made with you concerning these words. One preacher by the name of Andrew Murray said it this way. It's in the blood that the covenant has its foundation and its power. It's by the blood alone that man can be brought into a covenant relationship with God. That which was foreshadowed at the gate of Eden and foreshadowed on Mount Ariat and foreshadowed on Mount Moriah and foreshadowed in Egypt is now confirmed at the foot of Mount Sinai in a most solemn manner. Again, this is Andrew Murray. That without the blood... There can be no access by sinful man to a holy God. There is a progression that flows through the Bible. In in Egypt, the blood was applied on the door of a home. 
Now here at the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses sprinkled the blood on the people. The contact is closer. The application more powerful. Again, those are the words of Andrew Murray. I'm reminded of an old song that says, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Or what about this old song? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Say, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And God saw a cross. He led them away from Mount Moriah and he, or, or, or Mount uh, Sinai and he instituted what you hear uh, commonly called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It was on that Day of Atonement that God said, I am going to take the sin of Israel and I'm going to, to roll it away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to store it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to store their, their salvation, if you will. I'm going to hold salvation until a more excellent sacrifice comes. That's the book of Hebrews. And so it was that on that day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, they would bring two goats. One goat is where we get the word scapegoat because they would take that goat and they would the priest would place their hand on that goat and they would symbolically transfer all of the sin from the, 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 the nation of Israel and they would place it on that goat and they would take that goat so far in the wilderness he could never find its way back in. And it was a way of God saying, I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to forget your sin. I'm going to remove it from your life. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so will your sins be separated from God. The second goat they killed and the blood was applied on the altar. That Hebrew word kafar is translated as atonement in our Bible. It means to cover. And God saw a cross in that, in that sacrifice of that innocent goat that it was the blood of an innocent animal that would cover the sins of guilty man. God saw a cross. We understand that Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 says it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. But if you go down in verse 19 in Hebrews 10, it says, But therefore, brethren, we have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 that says with that it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And I hear that old song. What can Wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again Nothing but the blood of Jesus And oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we begin to see the shadow of the cross. You skip forward into the New Testament. And while I don't have time and there's not a chance that I could say everything that Jesus talked about his blood in this sermon or in this time, but there's a few things that you can find. One of them is when he talked and preached what we call the bread of life discourse. And the second is when he talked about the Lord's Supper. And both of those, you see the shadow of the cross. For at the end of Jesus' bread of life sermon there in the book of John chapter 6, He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Now, I'm going to tell you, and and, you know, you you always wonder as you sing songs, you know, if if anybody walked in this place that didn't know the word of God, the first song we, we talked, we sung about might mess them up. When my enemies and my foes come to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell. And somebody's going to go, man, you've been watching way too much Twilight. But we understand that that's a biblical statement. Talking about the, the, the enemy coming in and trying to destroy. But Jesus, I can promise you, Jesus was not talking about cannibalism. That's not at all what he meant. In fact, he, he goes on to say that except that, or, or that, that uh, his flesh, he would give it for the life of the world. And he said, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood, you have no life. And what it was, it's not so much the eating and the drinking part he was trying to get to you. But what he was saying was there was going to be a time that he was going to give his life. There was going to be a time that he was going to shed his blood. And salvation only comes if you receive what God has given you. It's a reception. And and in Bible time, there was really, that that was the most intimate way of receiving. It's why John chapter 1 and verse 12 says something along the lines of this. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Those words, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, are pictures. It's a way of receiving. Very interesting, and I, I guess I'd, until I begin to study it and begin to kind of think about it for this sermon, I had never kind of separated those two. I've, I've kind of always just put the death of Jesus Christ in one big lump sum. But, but Jesus himself divided into two things. He said, I'm going to give my body and I'm going to give my blood. Now, I realize you probably can't die without losing your blood. There, there, there has to be something there. But still, the point is this. And, and it's why later on in, in Jesus' uh, Jesus's life, he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he took the cup. This is that, that last supper time that you see in the upper room. He, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said unto them, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many uh, for the remission of of sins. Later on, he he said, "Take and eat. This is my body which I have broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." The Lord's supper that we take is done to remember the shadow of the cross that has been present since the dawn of time. The Lord's supper reminds us what God uh, what he did on the cross. It reminds us that it's not just to remember it, but to receive it. Blood and the body. Those two separate elements, the death and the blood, is so important. 
without the death. Paul, Paul says it best in his epistles. If there is a will, there is a testament that has been recorded. You don't get whatever that will or that testament says unless the one that what they call the testator has died. If you have any life insurance on you, you don't get that life insurance unless the one in whom that life insurance has been taken out dies. And so we cannot enter into a new covenant, a new testament, a new will. See, I don't know if you ever thought of it. That's why we call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament said, if you follow this, if you follow the laws, if you follow the, 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 the protocols, if you follow all of that, then it will be accounted unto you for righteousness. That's the Old Testament. I'm glad I don't live under there. Because if I lived under the Old Testament, I can't eat catfish. Old Leviticus, Deuteronomy says you can't eat any fish that doesn't have scales. No catfish. I'm glad I don't live under the Old Testament. The Old Testament says you can't eat anything that creeps and crawls. That means no crawfish. I'm glad I don't live under the Old Testament. Y'all think I'm funny, but I'm serious. The Old Testament says, Zane, if you disrespect your parents, your parents drag you out and they beat you with stones until you die. You better be glad you don't live under the Old Testament. The Old Testament was hard. In fact, many times if you read in Colossians, you read in Galatians, you read throughout the New Testament, this is what it said. There was not a chance that man could ever live up to what the law required. The law just kept, and Romans chapter 7 says it was because of the law. The law took advantage of me. I would have not known sin except the law said thou shalt not lie. And once the law said you can't lie, the law and, and, and my flesh and the enemy began to say, hey, you need to start lying. And that it, it began to force me and it began to try to draw me out and the law couldn't save me. I'm glad I don't live under that Old Testament. But because there was a death of the testator, a new covenant was birthed. God saw the cross and God realized that in that death, uh, one of the most beautiful passages of scripture and I, I read it last week, last Sunday morning but it, it says in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1 talking of Jesus Christ this is verse 15 of Colossians 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and earth invisible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn of the dead in that everything he might be preeminent for in Jesus the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and that through Jesus to reconcile himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of the cross and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil things Jesus has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if you indeed continue in the faith stable and steadfast not, sh not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you have heard that has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven there had to be a death there had to be a death 
But oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. I, I, I love you, you, you. You find in the uh, uh, you, you find in the in in the the first part of the Bible in Genesis that before mankind could take one step out of the garden, out of the garden, man was soaked in innocent blood. I had a professor. I've told many of you this, but this is for those that maybe weren't here last week. I had a professor told me that, that, that when you begin to research the, the fact that God clothed them with animal skins, it does not indicate that he put nice, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue fur coats on them. It didn't put nicely tanned leather on them. This was the way my, my Bible theology instructor told me. He said God reached down to an innocent animal and ripped its skin off and put those warm, bloody skins onto a, a, a fallen humanity where guilt and shame was there. In the Garden of Eden, man's sin required a covering of blood. As you walk through the Bible, you're going to walk through the shadows of the cross. In the wilderness, when they had sinned there, the, the children of Israel and Moses, they had sinned, and God got mad, and he sent snakes all throughout the camp, and and, and, and these were very poisonous snakes and thousands were dying just because of the wrath of God. Moses created a, a, a bronze snake and it lifted it up on a pole. It's the same bronze snake, if you will, that, that allow, you know, if you go to a doctor's office, a lot of times you see some of that same typology. But in that old bronze snake being raised, the shadow of the cross was heard. Someday... In order for your salvation, you're going to have to look up at a cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up. I know a lot of times we talk about lifted up in worship, and there's some truth to that. But the true meaning of that verse, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, means that unless I'm lifted up on the cross, there is no salvation for mankind. And through the pages of the Bible, you could pick it up and the blood would run red. But oh, one day, one moment. From Genesis to Revelation, you will find that there will be a moment in which we will stand before the throne of God. And the Bible says it's with that blood-washed throng that we will sing redemption song as we sing worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. And I begin to ask you, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in that soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? You can look through it in the Word. Adam and Eve, shadow of the cross. Cain and Abel, shadow of the cross. Noah, shadow of the cross. I forgot this one. I got so excited. I, I skipped over this in my notes. But, hey, Abraham, out of you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Preach a little bit about Abraham this morning. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and out of your son, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isaac's born finally after many, many years. God wakes, Isaac, or wakes Abraham up in the middle of the night and says, Abraham, you know that, that boy I gave you that's your promise? 
I need you to take him up on Mount Moriah and I need you to kill him and sacrifice him to me. I don't know how Abraham did it. Abraham got up, told his wife, I got to go kill Isaac. I can imagine how that conversation would go, Sister Buford. But that's why the Bible says it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that was the Lord speaking. He goes up there and they're climbing up that mountain and Isaac's carrying wood on his back and Abraham probably has a like a, a ram's horn, something hard that has some coals in it that he's carrying because they didn't have big lighters and you know Zippo lighters back then. You had to actually bring a coal uh, and put it in something and then you'd get it out and blow it and let it kind of get hot. And, and Isaac, as he's walking up the mountain, he says, Dad, I'm pretty smart. A sacrifice requires three things. It needs wood. I'm carrying that on my back. It needs fire. You have it at your side, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord himself will provide. He lays Isaac on that altar. I, I don't, I, to this day, I, I just, I cannot wrap my mind around any of that. Isaac willingly laid himself down. Isaac could have fought his dad. Isaac could have wrestled, but Isaac willingly laid himself on that. And, and, and Abraham was ready to kill his son. And when God saw his faith, he said, stop. I just wanted to see if you'd hear what I said. Look over there, and there caught in the, the thicket was a ram. And it reminds us that you and I the sin that we've committed, we ought to have died. I, I'm no greater than you are just because I stand behind a pulpit and preach. In fact, not that we can compare sin and not that there's levels of sin, but you might be shocked. My sin might even be worse than your sin. I don't stand here because I'm good. I don't stand here because I'm a preacher's kid. I don't stand here because somehow I got voted into this church. I'm able to stand here because there was a sacrifice that died in my place. That the Lord said, you know what? You ought to die on that altar. You, you deserve to die, Brandon, but I got a ram. I understand this, uh, this phrase has a new meaning to Sister Leah. Sister Leah is one of those Sunday school teachers that might have to kiss a pig in a little bit. And I think she put on Facebook, she says, I hope the Lord provides a ram. I understand where you're coming from. I'm just glad I'm not having to do it this year. But I'll tell you, kissing a pig is the, if that's the worst thing you have to do in your life, you're okay. But I'm going to tell you that, that our sin is far greater than that. The burden that we have to carry, the, the, the guilt, the shame, and the, the Bible says, Romans, the wages of sin is death. It's appointed unto man to die. We, 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 we ought to have died for our sins. But there on the top of a mountain, there was a lamb. And we see the shadow of the cross. Moses at Passover, shadow of the cross. Moses at Sinai, shadow of the cross. Even there in that beautiful moment of the nativity, a beautiful baby boy laying in a manger, shadow of the cross. In the words of Jesus throughout the Bible, shadow of the cross. 
and there he was. I know the Romans were the ones that, that actually put him to death, and I know it was the Jews that brought him to that place where, where, where they convicted him, if you will. I, I understand all of that. The reason he died on that cross is because of me. The Bible says he took my sin. And he took my transgressions and he took the ordinances that I had broken and he took it to the cross and he nailed it. And now today, 738, on April 15, 2018, the shadow of the cross lingers even here for you and I. That it's by the blood that he shed on Calvary that I can be cleansed. The Bible says that we are buried with him in the waters of baptism like as Christ died, that's the repentance part like as Christ was buried, we're buried with him in baptism and like as Christ raised from the dead so are we raised in new life by the spirit of God it's the shadow of the cross that allows you and I to have redemption of sins, for there can be no redemption of sins except there was blood shed and the book of Hebrews says it so best can you think of how many sacrifices had to die in the Old Testament? Somebody, I, 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 somewhere, and I have these little notebooks I write stuff in, and it's awesome, and I feel so good until I can't find the notebook I wrote it in, and then I can't ever go back. So that's how it works for me. But somewhere, somebody, he, he, he figured out how many sacrifices, daily sacrifices the temple had, and and, and how many things they did, and he kind of counted them all, and he figured up how many, how much blood is in a normal bull, and how much blood is in, and and, and, he, and it was it was trillions of gallons of blood that were that was shed in the Old Testament. But all of that was just a stopgap measure until God manifested Himself in flesh, became like you and I, and Jesus walked on this earth, died on a cross. The Bible says once and for all and some six, seven, eight pints of blood was poured out of a a man and that's all that was required never again will there have to be a sacrifice never again will there have to be another death never again will you have to crucify Jesus because what he did on the cross was once and for all it was enough for all of the Old Testament those of you who who were here and, and, and you remember when I preached on Hebrews last year I wrote a check out I believe it is brother sponsor I wrote a check out to him for a million dollars a real check and I gave it to him I said but if you cash it now it's not going to do anything for you that was what the Old Testament was it was a, it, when they would sacrifice it gave them a check and it said you just got to hold on to this check until there'll be enough funds in the bank to come and if ever, I don't think it ever happened, but if ever I get enough money in the bank, you know, Dad, if you feel like putting it in the will and leaving it to me, just a thought. It's really not for me. It's for Brother Sponsor. I'm, I'm just... But if at that moment there would finally be enough in the bank account to cover the check, it would go through. When Jesus died on the cross, the blood that he shed, satisfied all the requirements of the Old Testament it satisfied all of the requirements of that present time and there on Golgotha's hill it satisfied all the requirements for you and I and our children and their children until God decides to come back 
if it's a thousand years from now, his blood will never lose its power because the shadow of the cross extends both ways. I want us to stand today. Sometimes we have to be reminded at what God has done in our life. I know there's going to be some fun here in a little bit. I understand that you know, we're going, to, we're going to celebrate the Save Our Children offering, but for just a moment, I wonder if you and God could speak. At the very least, you need to thank Jesus for the blood He shed for your life. You need to remember what He's done for you. You need to thank Him that He loved you enough to die on the cross. And for some, perhaps, you need to accept what He's done for you. You need to say, Lord, I'm remembering your blood. I'm remembering and I want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb and the waters of baptism that the blood of Jesus might be applied on my life and God will give you praise. I wonder if you and Jesus could have a conversation.